I'm Ian Dark, and you're listening to Men in Blazers, sub-optimal radio on the Grantland Network. Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! From Bobley's Panic Room, the crap end of Copacabana Beach Road, the crap part of Her Name is Rio. It's a Copa das Copas! Men in Blazers podcast! Oh, David. Wow! 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 It's a 4th of July podcast, David. Not just any podcast. Yeah. One of our favourite days of the year. Is it? It is. Yeah. That's someone that's a future international for the United States of America, David. (laughs) You. Me. Yeah. I take it very seriously. John Adams. Uh Uh-huh. I think it's Brian Adams' dad. Yeah. Said in 1776. I think he's he's John Quincy Adams' dad. Anyway, go ahead. He said it should be solemnised with pomp and parade. It should be solemnised. With shores, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other. He actually thought it would be July the 2nd. Oh. Didn't catch on. But my my other favourite quote is the fight for our freedom, not from tyranny, oppression or persecution. But from Annihilation, that's how I like to think about we it. Should, Day yeah, we should say happy July 4th to all of our GFOPs. Amazing day. Rog, amazing day. Amazing Congratulations. Country, you amazing won, GFOPs. You won it fair and square. It was a fair fight. Uh, you know, that's it. I didn't even think about it. You won that, it fair and square. You know it was why? a fair fight. Because when the English were losing yeah. the battle, yeah. my family were being slaughtered by Cossacks in the Ukraine. <laughs> and I'm sure so my I'm family emotionally... was somewhere between Switzerland and <laughs> Scotland. And All Americans are always like, God sorry, mate, you must take your life off. I'm yeah. like, Honestly, I wasn't involved. I doubt my family were involved either. Anyway, congratulations. You won it fair and square, and now you're better at, than us at football. Yeah. Um, you really, <laughs> you've got everything going for you. You do? Yeah. And we're going to talk about it. Yeah. It's going to be a... It's going to be a... It's a relief not being in the US, by the way, Rog, for me on July 4th, because usually all of my mates just dress me up in a red jacket, throw me around at the woods at the end of my garden, take pot shots at me with muskets. It's yeah. a relief not oh, to be there. I've got to tell you, muskets yeah. sting. Yeah, oh, musket shot. Saying. People, Americans don't understand, muskets can really sting. Oh, a musket shot. I think you say in America, they smart. Yeah, they do smart. Not yeah. in the face with the musket shot. Oh, but David, it's, it's part celebration, yeah. part wake. Mm-hmm. It's like a good old Irish wake today, because we're here to mourn a friend who I think passed too early, David. I have the World Cup black dog, Rod. I've got the full-on World Cup black dog. Happened to me in 2002, happened to me in 2006, <laughs> happened to me in 2010 when I wasn't even at the World Cup, Rod. I, I feel sadder than the Joy Division record, too, David. Slightly different. I think you're talking just about the US. I'm talking about the US and England. At the moment in no, the tournament, the US. when US and England both go out, yeah. to me it's like... Yeah, it's a lot of Continentals playing football, which is great, but it's not quite the same. Very anymore. Continental. Very Continental. It's what my dad is. It's very Continental. Very continental. In Rio with the Germans yeah. and the Frenchmen, it's a little yes. ham and continental. cheese. Little buffets of ham and cheese for breakfast. But you were saying to me today yeah. that you've gone back to your writing yeah. and you consistently see yourself getting black dog at this period at this of time. Point. Yeah, between the last 16 and the quarterfinals, or between the quarters and the semis, as soon as. England and the US were out. Oh, in 2002, within the space of 24 hours, England and the US both knocked out in the quarterfinals. That was the worst ever. Yeah. 
But I do have Black Dog again. Black Dog has descended. I Come understand you door. tried to cheer me up by taking me to the botanical garden. Yeah, yesterday. did it work? Not really. <laughs> I tell you, I, they were incredible. They were impressive. I had a lovely the time Jardem with you in Botanico. Where we met some of our Brazilian listeners in Yeah, LeBlanc. we did. We didn't know we had Brazilian listeners. The but Fluminese fans. I came back to my house. My, yeah. Not my house. I'm yeah, hotel called the hotel that feels like my house at this point. Yeah. And I, I listened to... Uh, well, it does have doormen. In which my, you, do you know what helped me feel to? better? How? I listen to this. In my life, there's been heartache and pain. Yeah. I don't know if I can face it again. I can't stop now, Davo, in this World Cup, because I've travelled so far to change this lonely life. I listened to some foreigner. Oh, Steve didn't make, Perry. Didn't right? make me feel any didn't better. Didn't make you feel any better. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's a black dog. It's a difficult moment. Let's talk can about... Can I tell you why? Yeah. For me, it's been particularly painful, Davo. Yeah. And thank you to all of our GFOPs. Because of your children. Not, I mean, my children, being here and FaceTiming with them on a regular basis, I feel like I haven't I'm in a made space that shuttle. Once. I feel like I'm in a space shuttle and yeah. I'm, I'm like David Bowie, ground uh-huh. control. I'm like, may as well be on the moon. Yeah. But basically, I followed this team for four months, David. Yeah. Germany, Cyprus, England, Holland, across the US. And when I started making the inside show, Clint Dempsey said to me, he said, make something that we can show to our grandchildren and feel proud of with the Inside series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that John Hock and I did that with the Inside series. But the, the great news is I feel so connected to this team, more than any other I've ever covered. I mean, the corollary is seeing it up close, living with them and being embedded with the team. You realise just how little the media actually do know about what's going on inside a team. Oh, no, you have an insight, Rog. Wow, wow. on this team. That no one has. I mean, it does make me laugh when you read comments that people in the media write, when they will write things, I'm not going to name names, but when they write things as though they have great insight and knowledge that they're on the same level as Klinsman in terms of what they know about what's going on in camp. They, they, I you realize, even admit, when I yeah. say to you, what's going on with this, you'll say, I don't know, Klinsman would never tell anybody about that. He'd never talk about this. But you watched them train. You saw what Jürgen saw on the field. And you, and you were see in the, right. And you see inside the, 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 the team culture, team dynamic yeah. inside the hotel. I, I, that, that, so it's kind of already killed any other, following any other sports team. You are so, the media so from the outside. But, and I will return to that. But I do Is believe... Is there anything, having followed them so much, though, is there anything that surprised you? Well, let's talk about okay. that. Let's talk about that, because okay. definitely the play of certain players, for good and for bad. But I think this campaign day is why I feel so sad. I think that this team can show this 2014 campaign to their kids and feel absolutely that it's something that they can feel proud of. They can feel unbroken. Well, I think that was in the preview when we bit into the cupcakes at Grantland Studios, Rog. We immediately, you know, you boldly determined that the U.S. would win the World Cup on a Carl Beckerman 65-yard wonder strike. That was not only cupcake-related, though. That was also your dream. There was nothing else you could do other than have a dream. You felt it was prophecy. Now, I think you're right, your prophecy just gets extended I was into say, 2018. I was going to say, about my dream, Dave, I, it, you didn't I know didn't where it was. I didn't see the kind of tulip cathedrals, the yeah. domes. I realised it was in Moscow. Yes. As you say in America, yeah. Moscow. Yeah, Moscow. It was in Moscow. Uh, I didn't wow. see St. Peter's Square in the background. Yeah. So it was, it was the, the But what I said is... This team will make us proud. And I really believe they did. And I don't think, you know, there, there are two narratives going on, yeah. Rog. You know, we yeah. talk a lot about narrative. Yeah. And of course, all sport, all entertainment, all writing, all fiction, all non-fiction is about narrative. 
But in most countries, there is a single narrative that ends at the end of the World Cup. There is, like, England are absolutely crap. Abject. Or Uruguay, it was only because of what happened to Suarez, why we went out. Or in uh, Spain, you know what? This was an amazing thing, the tribute to the players. But, you know, it's the passing of Nier, and now we've got to go and reinvest and find the new young players who go on. In the US, there are two narratives going on. So it's difficult because usually any narrative is overstated. Any predominant narrative is overstated. There's truth to it, but it's usually overstated. In the US, there are two narratives. One narrative is, oh, we have the guts. We've got the belief. We're just this far away. We're going to end up winning it all. Nation on the rise. Nation on the rise. It's going to be amazing. New order. It's almost an inevitable thing that we're going to get there and it's going to go and And be there. And it's passion and it's clinsman and it's American out. Wonderful, wonderful American American out. That's one narrative. And on the other end, there is this whispering, and I would say a growing whisper of this narrative within the media, which is, wait a minute, Klinsman didn't do any of the things he promised. He hasn't changed the way we play. We're out in the last 16 again. We were uh, out-possessed in every single game we played, at certain points, terribly. Yes, Tim Howard had an amazing game, but why are they getting so many shots against him? And the narrative, these two competing narratives, both seem to be somewhat overstated. Having said that, I must say, I find myself much closer to the first narrative than to the second narrative, and I'm surprised in America today, just, you know less than 48 hours after that, that that whispering narrative, that second narrative, has bubbled to the surface so much. Well, let's talk about it, because we did a boot room right after the game, in yeah. pain, in agony, traumatised, yeah. shell-shocked, um, tear-stained. Yeah. The smoke has cleared a little bit. The fog has cleared. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about some of the talking points and, and come to those conclusions. Okay, so 21.6 million people, Rog, that's estimated, because remember, that is based on a Nielsen sample of 20,000 homes with boxes just in people's homes. I think 21.6 million was in Soldier Field alone, David, (laughs) just the number of Americans in Soldier Field. That's how many people watched Belgium knock out the United States in the World Cup on US television. That's a cume of both the ESPN audience and the Univision audience. Amazing. That is a more than impressive total for a weekday, weekday afternoon on cable weekday afternoon and almost certainly undercounts by millions how many people actually saw it because of the people watching it all over the stuff i mean what are the big questions that come out of it there because for me the big one is as you've already highlighted yeah it was a bullion it was joyous there were new heroes forged did we just take a different more scenic route route you'd say in england yeah to the same place the round of 16 or was there, was there something absolutely different about this campaign? Um, this is what I think. And I, I spent quite a while sitting there thinking about this this morning, Rog, because I knew we were going to talk about this at length. And sometimes, as you know, I have two big problems. I have one problem remembering anything, which is I forget everything as soon as it happens. And secondly, I, I always wear a hello, my name is. And up. secondly, increasingly, as I get older, I am less sure about what I think. And my delegates, the hundred delegates in my head, are so often are in open revolution with each other and every vote seems to be 51-49 I could go both ways so easily Davos delegates Davos delegates but I think that where this is what I think is different yes I think that this is another last 16 exit I think though that despite getting to the quarterfinals in 2002 
despite this being the same point at which the U.S. were knocked out in 2010, I think we're in a way better position moving forward. And I think we're about to see that. I don't think we've seen it already. I think we're about to see it. And I think where I find the ammunition for that belief is in the way that the U.S., after going 2-0 down against Belgium, the way they came back and how hard they played, this has impressed everyone in the world, world Rog, world world, 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 including many of my sneering English anti-American friends. They are blown away by watching what the U.S. did to come back against Belgium, almost got a chance to go and do that. I think that is one thing. And I think the second thing is these emergence, which is, I think, the most hopeful thing. The U.S. performances at this World Cup were not pinned on a couple of players. The U.S. performances were spread across so many different people and so the future looks so bright and sorry third one i believe in klinsman i believe well, let's talk about that I, I mean I, I answer the question by saying to get out of this group david which was yeah. kind of dismissed we kind of moved on we're looking at the you don't just get to round of 16s you get to round of 16s through different routes and this yeah. route not just the teams that we met but the journey, the the, tr- the distance, we'd had to travel 8,800 miles before this round of 16 game. Yeah. We played in hot, hotter, hottest. Mm-hmm. Belgium had traveled just over 1,000 miles in very, very forgiving climbs. So just the journey that we'd taken there. Uh, I mean, we did play, again, with heart and courage at times, stepping in for tactics and skill and we'll talk about that but the great thing about that that heart and courage will never go away that will never disappear from the american athlete from the american soccer player that's not fleeting the thing that delighted me about this world cup and Mm -hmm. it was it was a it was one of jürgen's goals the the last thing he talked to me about before he left me when we were by a fire escape i interviewed him seven times over six weeks and last time we were by a fire escape in the hotel um and we'd just done our last interview and i said do you think you can do it he said we can do it if the players take the field against any opponent and when they walk onto that field they believe they have a chance of winning yeah he said teams american teams in the past have not had that belief yeah and they lost before they left the locker room mm-hmm. um and then he got excited by his own comment and he said we can do it and then he jumped into the air with just me and him in a hallway he jumped into the air punched the air and let out this ha <laughs> Yeah. An amazing cackle, and then suddenly just bolted, turned on his, the balls of his feet, pushed the fire escape open, and was gone. That was his last word. And I believe they did that, Dave. They believed that they could win. The shot statistics were absurdly one-sided. Yeah. 39 shots to the U.S.'s 17. It was like it was like the Princess Bride, that fight between Wesley and Fezzik. It was like Ewoks, the battle for Endor. Um, it was a tremendous achievement to get to half-time 0-0. And, and we talked about it, Dave. In truth... It could have been 8 or 9 zero to Belgium. It could have been in this game. Tim Howard. Tim Howard. He is a legitimate star in the United States. What does today. that mean? Explain what that means. He's just a household name. And he's not only a household name, he's a name that there is a brand attached to. Is that you remember a single performance, you know what he looks like, and he is unique to any other person in the sporting pantheon in the united states and this is a guy who not only deserves it for the years of service he's put into this u.s men's national team but also he's done exactly the challenge that jürgen klinsmann and those who do not appreciate the challenge that jürgen klinsmann has laid down to his players and not everybody agrees with it and i'm not saying that there isn't a great argument the challenge challenge being that challenge yourself against the best players in the world in the best leagues in the world 
rather than come and play an MLS where you're going to be comfortable. And your point was, even when he stumbled at Manchester United... Oh, he got back up and he went and made it work at Everton. You know, he never gave up, he never came home, he never went and did it. Now, there are other goalkeepers who uh, who had blazed that trail before him. The Friedels, the Caseys... Um, had done that before but he has challenged himself against the best in the world and I maybe it's ludicrous I'm sure that many uh, you know MLS fans are going to accuse me of Euro snobbery and this really isn't Euro snobbery this is a tribute to, to Tim Howard I doubt that Tim Howard would have been mentally prepared for what he went through in that game if he'd only challenged himself in MLS. When you say when you say household name, you mean not as a soccer player, but just as a Amer- American recognised kind of American hero. Yeah, he's, he's Ron Howard. Yeah, he's Howard's end. Yeah, he's Howard Jones. That yeah. size. And I think most people are going to know his name, and they're going to be attached. They're going to be able to attach a performance and a face and an understanding of what it is about him to that. It's not just a brand. With no sense of what he can actually do. I mean, I, I said afterwards to you, if Everton were smart, they'd immediately launch a creative digital branding campaign. And I said this to Roberto today, Roberto Martinez, targeted at the USA with this massive wave of new mm-hmm. football fans that are going to be watching the English Premier League. Like Everton, yeah. with that superhuman performance, I mean, it, he, he was so great. It looked like you could ask him what happened to the dinosaurs or where's Jimmy Hoffa buried and he would have had the answer to it. Yeah. I spoke to him to the next day yeah. on uh, on Morning Joe. Yeah. He came on and I asked him to describe what the trance-like state was that he was in. He was in the zone. And he said, I looked at the clock every 10 minutes. He said, but after about 60 or 70 minutes, it started to feel like that clock was broken. <laughs> and look at where the saves are from. There's been that great photograph. It's on uh, meninblazers.com of where the saves are from in the game. They're from not a single one between the sticks, Rog. They're all over the place. The idea of, of where the goalkeeper plays is superb. We, look, we, we, we'd said it on the, on the night, and we'll stand by it. Have a baby tonight and call it Tim Howard America. That's really? so true. I think that two things really occur to me. I want to just uh, I want to just say something about MLS. Don Garber was on Mike and Mike. Commissioner Don, doing a fantastic job with the league, was on uh, Mike and Mike uh, yesterday, I believe, or maybe this morning, and was saying that like what really has to happen now. And we just saw Bezler being interviewed in Sports Center. We've got to get all the people that have watched US. They've got to go and watch MLS now. And it would be great. And I'm sure that MLS is going to see a boost in attendance. I'm sure they're going to, as if they need that, they're doing great. I'm sure they're going to see a boost in television ratings. Please, God. But let's not make this MLS specific. It's good for any young Americans. We want them watching football. We want them watching the best in the world, wherever they're playing and whatever league it is. Watch bloody football we you and i agree on very little we could not agree more on that <laughs> let's talk about a, a player michael bradley david yeah michael bradley i mean i was saying to you when we went to shirley's our favorite restaurant in rio mournfully i we had a, the saddest steak and chips i've ever had and a bottle of what malbec bottle of malbec and i said to you when i watch everton football club a couple of bottles of the malbec. team i love when Everton attack, yeah. my excitement on those attacks yeah. depends on whether the ball is at Leighton Bain's feet, yeah. for instance. I feel excited. He's going to do Optimistic. something amazing. If that ball in the same position yeah. is at the feet of a man called Stephen Naismith yeah. or a man called Leon Osman. Translucent I'm Stephen le- Naismith. I'm less excited Leon because Osman I know inevitably they're going to cock up. To him. When I watch Michael Bradley yeah. in qualifying... Uh huh. Or in, in the Mexico game in Phoenix, 
he's such a emphatic, dominant, intelligent, exciting player. When the ball is at his feet in a US jersey, I'm always excited. At this World Cup, Dave, it got to the point that when the ball was at his feet, I started to be worried. Yeah. Because of the number of turnovers the US had made. He was almost a different player, Dave, in this World Cup. How does that happen? And we said, going into the World Cup, that how well the US do will be determined by how well Michael Bradley we said it three times. Plays. In every preview, I just cut and pasted the same comment. Having said that, just imagine if Michael Bradley had been playing really well, how far the team might have been able to go. I still believe they would have been nicking games. And you can't, can't tough to nick games all the way through to the World Cup final, Rog. But they uh, they certainly would have done a lot better. I don't know. You were there working on inside. What happened? He became a dominant leader of the team. Yeah. In 2010, he almost broke through in our consciousness as a great American player. But this yeah. time, he was the leader. There's no doubt he was the leader of the team. He's an articulate man. Mm-hmm. He's a dominant man in the beat test where they run like crazy and yeah. it just grinds them down. He broke the beat test. Uh-huh. Broke always, it. He, he, they, they turned it off. He, he dominated it. it. Yeah. He, the, he beat the beat test. Wow. But he almost had too much pressure on him it was his team and he almost wilted with the spotlight on him he taught, he gave a beautiful phrase in when we we're making inside this is going to be the world cup of suffering we have to show we are the team who suffer can suffer the most i feel like he has suffered Davey, and i hate the hate there's so much oh. dismissive talk about him to me he is still the dominant u.s player of his generation and fabio capello his parting shots when England were exited from the... 2010. He said about Rooney. Oh, no, it was Sven-Goran Eriksson. Yeah. Sorry, I get crap foreign managers of England mixed up. <laughs> the Swedish one. The Swedish one said after 2006. Yeah. What did he say about Rooney? He said, be kind, you will need him. Yeah. We have. He's not delivered. We've yeah. not been so kind ultimately. But I feel the same about Michael Bradley. We need to unbelievably kind and I think what Alexi would say I think what Alexi would say and many critics of Jurgen Klinsmann and the way that he's deployed Michael Bradley is that he's not playing in his best position that he's playing at the front tip of the diamond not playing at the back tip of the diamond where he really plays in in sort of a defensive role that's what they would say yeah but even even the basic passes even the outlet passes were not going where he wanted them this was there was something that was just he did have foot surgery you know that's he's still recovering from that you know, that could be some issues still on from that. I let, don't know. Let, let, let's go from that to another point, yeah. which is the Wando miss. The Wando miss. Okay. So Give I, me the man they call Wando. So let me take you back to South by Southwest Sports, Rog, where you did an amazing interview with Jürgen Klinsmann on stage down there. And you asked him... By the way, it's worth l- listening to that this morning. Yeah, it's it's so good. worth listening to it again in the light of the World yeah. Cup. But go on. But you asked him basically about what you were expecting from you know the growth of US fan culture and what you were expecting from US fans and what their responsibility was. And Jürgen was very clear. Is that he said, and I paraphrase, that what he wants is for this country to do, the fans to do, is that he doesn't want the players to be so comfortable that after somebody misses a shot that would have tied the game or won a game or somebody has had a terrible performance. He doesn't want them to just walk into their local bagel store or into their local Starbucks. Don't let him walk into that bagel store. And not be challenged by people saying, what the hell's doing? Because in Give Europe the and bagels. Argentina they and get Brazil, the stale that's bagels. They what get happens. The stale. Is he wants people to be challenged. At now, we're not advocating. CJ. At Emergent CJ. Yeah, says at, at Men in Blazers. What's the more appropriate response to seeing Wando in the street? Double wanker sign or a cuddle? And it's difficult. 
because on a human level, you know, I feel terrible about this as a guy who's going to have abuse heaped on him. But I guarantee you look at our other major sports, Rog, you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL, you look at Major League Baseball, like even at NHL. Like the, well, you look at the, is that these people are Bill not going to be left to forget it. And that might be the expectations. The, look, the reality of the U.S. team, and I'm not going to mention his name or know the job he does because his employers might not be happy with what he was doing with the last 24 hours of his life. But a friend of mine who <laughs> works in research sent me this sort of amazing statistic about the U.S.'s record since the last World Cup and looking at the number of points per game that they end up getting. And it's about 1.88, which is impressive. And Jürgen has certainly ticked up the record from Bradley and from Arena before. 1.5, I think you said. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's, he's, he's ticked up the record. Yeah. And the U.S. are getting 1.88 a game, which is really competitive yeah. in, a, in, in a world. However, it is a step below the elite the Argentinas, the Germanys, the Brazils, these are sort of above 2, above 2.1, above 2.2. The difference is if you take that point percentage per game and you put that in the Premier League, of course, the United States are Everton, Rog. It they, translates. They compute, exactly, they compute to Everton. exactly over 38 games, 72 points, which is what they had at the end of this Premier League season, is about 1.88. Passionate mediocrity. Is but this is behind me? the two points per game that the Man City's the Arsenal's, the Liverpool's, the Chelsea's routinely, the Man United until this year, will routinely get in the league. For the U.S., the U.S. is challenged now. And I believe a challenge that they are well-placed to go and do is to get... And by the way, it would be the same challenge for Everton, Rog. Is Chelsea to get are into that, and Everton are American. I love that. Maybe. And it's for them to get into that elite level where they... And this is why friendlies... I'm going to suggest, Rog, this is going to be outrageous, that I am now going to start reading too much into international friendlies. I think all of their games... They play a lot of competitive games. The US actually play more games than almost every country in the world because of the CONCACAF Gold Cup. They get invited into the uh, into the uh, Copa America, the other tournaments. Yeah. They play a lot of friendlies. They're very attractive We're teams to people to play. September. They play... I think they've played 20 more games than England over the same over yeah. the same period. But their challenge is, is they've got to move into that 2.1, 2.2 points per game. They've so what got does that to, do mean for one day? I think what that means is that perhaps the fans now in recognition, have got to demand more from the team. I think that maybe, and this has been fine for this period of the US, where we've been okay with this and we've excused this result, we've excused that performance, excused that. The US, because of their population, because of their self-belief, because of the coaching structure, because of the money, because of the population, because of how good Americans are, frankly, at sport, the US have the potential to go and be one of those giants of the World Cup, those teams like Brazil, like Argentina, like Germany, like Holland, like France, to be one of the big ones. But it's going to mean overall, over the next four years before the next World Cup, we've got to get that win percentage, point percentage, wins and draws, eliminating losses, up to above two. And I believe the US have the capability of getting there and well, going to we're, do that. We're, we're forward cast, but let me ask you this. The rally, the yeah. Rocky-style rally, they were dead on their feet. They're 2-0 down. Yeah. And then suddenly they surge back into it with that, like a boxer that was knew they were out on points, so they had to go for a knockout Because they punch. never believe they're beaten, Rog. And that's such a... That's mental toughness. That's why mental couldn't they strength. play like that for the all 15 minutes? Because, for the first, because like, it does sorry, require... Why couldn't they play like that for the first bloody hour? Because it does require, just like in boxing, the easiest time to hit your opponent is either after he's just punched you, because they leave themselves exposed, or at the point that they feel like they've completely beaten you and they drop their guard. Belgium dropped their guard. It was classic stuff. But most teams fold at that point. Most teams in the US's position just fold. They lose belief. They lack belief. 
and the US's belief was so total. I spoke to Jermaine Jones yesterday. I spoke to Jermaine Jones yesterday. I, I asked him, what, how did you, what did you summon? Where did that energy come from? Yeah. And he said, we heard USA, USA, USA roll down from the stands. Yeah. He said it gave us all Huge. incredible energy, which is, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, amazing. Forth. That is the quote. Substitutions, Julian Green. How good's he going to be when he gets through puberty? <laughs> Secondly, how many American players score a goal like that some people think he mishit it but it went in you're the not going to middle that you're not going to middle that shot over your shoulder from there you're never going to middle that ball and he hit it well enough to go and beat Courtois and Courtois looked basically unbeatable that, that is a large Incredibles like animation cartoon of a man who looks unbeatable the whole time he hit it well enough Julian Green as you and I were speaking about over lunch Rog is that our wish for Julian Green is he's got to go somewhere and play first-team football. That might not be at Bayern Munich. It might be, which would be incredible, but he needs to go somewhere and play football. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, vindication for Jürgen on Julian, on, yeah. on Yedlin, yeah. on Jermaine Jones, who's been so often seen as a Jürgen favourite that people didn't understand. He, I think, stepped forward and was arguably the best US outfield player throughout the World Cup. The German-Americans in general... A lot of people said they would wilt when they played against proper Germany. They'd feel lesser. They'd feel secondary. Bad the team chemistry, uh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this, I have to say, this is a slight sidebar, which I'll... Ex- no, you're, like, you're, you're, you deserve a sidebar. Amongst the soccer court... Enjoy your sidebar. There's such a negativity about... That the worst is always feared in our soccer culture. Too yeah. often we act like wounded dogs in an abandoned puppy shelter. Yeah. And always go to the negative. And I hope one of the things that changes... In the wake of this World Cup, as we feel a little bit more confident. Well, I think we have two extremes, actually. I would say I think we have two extremes. I think we have a two negative culture, and I actually think we have a two positive culture. You're, you always I look think for we're the looking third for. Way. I think, yeah, I do. I think that we would like to find something. Uh, I would love just an acknowledgement that Jurgen knows more about what he's seeing in training and more about what he's seeing from these players, and it's very interesting. There are very few specifics brought up by any of the critics in who are the players that they would have bought who are better than the players that he ended up putting in the field. You know, other than Landon, which still a few people are harping on about. Which, but by the way, and I'd say on that, I say that if, if you're not going to start Landon, then he has such a power and an abil- ability to exert influence over all of these young players who all yeah. defer to him. If you're not going to start him... And you see this with Nasri. He's not Nasri whatsoever. Nasri is a pernicious little man. Yeah. London is a wonderful, unbelievable human being. But Jürgen went young. He went athletic. He went fearless. And he said that he was trying to imbue the team with um, an absolute, absolute fearlessness. And you saw this when, Yed, um, when Yedlin came on. I mean, he almost didn't know what he didn't know. And he was all the better for refusing to acknowledge that he was being thrown in to a massive World Cup game. He didn't know enough to be scared. Um, despite that, with the final whistle, shattered and battered, jail moment to Jon Snow, the things we love destroy us every time, lad. Um, but you're right, Davo. I, I felt terribly, terribly sad about the loss. Um, we were a team that don't always win, but we're very good at lose winning. I think we lost win. We lo- lose win this game. At Moom Lejah, says at men in blazers proud of our boys glad to see the sport growing but let this be the last world cup in which we accept moral victories yeah i think that's that's very that's very well put i mean look there are going to be challenges ahead for the us let's from there are going to be the us are going to be a target they're going to become more of a target yeah. than they were even before yeah and 
there is this unknown in the development of the future, which is finding a star player. Look how many teams in this last eight have just an exceptional, exceptional world-class, once-in-a-generation so well kind said. of a player. And it's hard to think that just by a numbers game, you necessarily get there. Just yep. because the U.S. has a huge population, just because we've got great athletes, you don't necessarily make that person. To all the people who say, oh, yeah, but our best athletes are playing other sports, just look at the size of many of these exceptional players. These people aren't necessarily playing other sports. And they've got to be people who, at an early age, they've seen enough soccer now to know that that's the sport for me. Um, it's not like it's not being watched by anybody on we television. We need to start a reality TV show called Next Top American Small. <laughs> yeah, Next Top American Small. Where and are tall. you, Smalls? And then year two, we can do the tours. Talk, yeah, and then we can smalls. get them playing together. We need to, tools and Smalls playing together small in harmony. If you're we need you. I mean, I'll say, for me, watching Kansas City bounce up and down before the game. Yeah. Soldier Field. Yeah. Heaving Dallas, San yeah. Diego. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the, we're getting pictures for more points. It did take some of the stress off me, some of the pressure. I knew that whatever the result, America. America's won. By the way, this America that you and I have not yet Lose seen. Winning. We're, not like Mo- we're like Moses, who was never yeah. allowed into the promised land. Yeah. Um, America's already won. We might never be allowed back, Rog. You I, never know. I, I think took, you, you need your passport. I took some pleasure. I did take some pleasure in reading the English newspapers. Yeah. Great line from Michael Cox yep. of Zonal Marking. The World Cup has not been so much about the United States falling in love with soccer, but about soccer falling in love with the United States. Yep. Sky Sports had on last television last night. Our final topic. What can England learn from the USA's tournament on and off the pitch? Davo, yep. amazing. And Henry Winter, Davo. Yeah, how would you describe him? He's probably my favourite football writer in Britain. I read this piece. It was amazing. The American choirs chanting, I believe that we will win, simply reflect the inexorable rise of the sport in their country and that they are now a respected force in the global game. I actually think that, the yes, the respect has come, but it's the inexorable rise. This is what the rest of the world knows, that once America really get into this code of football and really apply themselves to it, they can be so great. It is still going to be hard to find that special player. Look at the resources and facilities that have gone into tennis in this country. Look at how many great tennis players we've created over the years and look at how few great tennis players the U.S. is producing right now in either the men's side or the women's side uh, coming up, you know, behind the Sampras's and the Agassi's and the Williams sisters. And it's hard. It's hard to find exceptional people. But the U.S., it's inexorable. So, yeah, I really do believe I it's I mean, inexorable. that's true. The U.S., the, number one, we've hit that already for me, thinking about how we improve in the short term, which is we need to produce top-level players. And mm-hmm. for, I think we both agree that can't be done unless they are exposed to the European leagues. Absolutely critical that they are tempering their game at the highest levels. Every, this is not an American issue. Every single country wants their players to play in the best leagues. That's an absolute given for me. Because you ask yourself, how many of the players that we saw on the field have the first touch and the speed to thrive in the modern pressing game? And then you ask me afterwards, you're like, where's our American Eden Hazard? Where's the American Romelu Lukaku? And we we were laughing. The biggest question in the short term for US soccer, laughing not happily. 
But the biggest short-term question is, what did Gedeon Zellalem, the Arsenal yeah. wonder kid who grew up in... Who's a real uh, playmaker. Ol- I think Olney yeah. uh, in Maryland uh, and can play for Germany or Ethiopia, Ethiopia and needs to finish his citizenship, which he's... Yeah. There's always rumours he's been seen in the US passport office. Yeah. Um, what did he think while he was watching Belgium last night? I know that US soccer talked to him. I know there's a full press... Uh, there and this isn't to discount MLS, Rod. We're not saying we love we MLS. Want, we love MLS. We are going to be want, we are going to be in Portland for yeah, the All Star game. Game. We're going to be doing a uh, August fourth. We're going to do a live show. But I don't think you've got to choose one or the other. I think we're looking at this unique American culture, which embraces both MLS and the. Uh, and the great leagues of Europe. And the question is, how do Yedlin, Omar, Aaron, Mix, Brooks, Green, Fabian? Yeah. Not all of whom, I mean, wherever they are, how do they all move to the next level? What do they all consider the next level for them professionally? I mean, long term, um, I've just finished a paper that I did with a Princeton professor, Greg Kaplan, an economist, where we ran the the zip codes of the the U.S. uh, squad players at the World Cup since 1994 and compared them to the NFL All-Star players and the NBA All-Star players. And they, all the soccer players, they come from places in the U.S. that rank higher on every socioeconomic indicator than the U.S. average. Um, and much higher than the basketball and football players um, who rank much lower. Um, there are obviously there are a lot of other issues involved in that. But there is a. But I do think that what it speaks to is that our, uh, our soccer players are somewhat middle class. I was just quite struck by watching Bezler so. speaking... To sports just so. how art- what a nice young well-educated well-presented man he is you don't see that very often in international football international soccer is a quite working class sport it's quite a you know it's bringing the kids out of, it's a hungry sport, sport. out of the few, projects out of the favelas few. you can count the number of middle class players who have become world class I think yeah. Perlo Andrea Perlo uh, I think Kaka I mean, very few players grew up middle class. Yeah. And to, to me, this is uh, Jurgen Klinsmann is the technical director of U.S. soccer as well as yeah. its coach. And it's this next phase of U.S. soccer's growth that I think Jurgen will be judged on. Yeah. We've, got, we've got all these young players. We hear about Ben Lederman, Gedeon Zelalem, Joshua Perez, who are at Barcelona, Arsenal, yeah. Fiorentina. I can play now, Dave, yeah. right, the U.S. That's when great. I get my citizenship. What's your best position, Rog? Um, you know, I'd do anything for the team, <laughs> but I'm good in the hole. Which um, hole? Oh, I've not worked out that yet, David. <laughs> just any hole. Um, and that's it. I, I tell you another thing that's interesting is it's a test also of U.S. soccer's ambition. And by yeah. that, I mean the, the governing body. Uh-huh. We've talked about how they have the opportunity to never be the same again. Yeah. They've always played qualifiers in cities where they know they can have a U.S. majority in the stands. So they stay away from big cities, big stadia. Columbus has done this nation proud hosting uh, the the Mex- Mexico, Salt Lake, De- uh, Denver. They have an opportunity to go to much bigger venues for games. They have an opportunity to make sure tickets get into their so-called right By building right a team, by building a club, sort of club team. Club USA. Yeah. Make sure tickets... Are, it's going to be a membership, almost a membership of yeah. uh, behind US soccer, as they do in England. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how rapidly they grow. And it begs the question... Will this wave recede? Is it is America falling in with love with the World Cup, or is yeah. it falling in love with football? Um, well, I is, think September third is soccer a, pog, a pogo stick? Is it a hula hoop, or is it something more lasting, David? Well, I think September third in Prague, we'll get our first indication when the U.S. play a friendly against the Czech Republic, 
Um, but also, David, the English Premier League so, surging. We MLS, please God. I mean, for us, it's been the World Cup of MLS. Julio Cesar, Tim Cahill, so many of the starters for the US team. Yeah. EA Sports, FIFA usage surging. Yeah. Um, so for us, obviously, we're not going to see 21.9 million, was it, tuning in for every yeah. single game. 0.6. But we expect that this sport of the future since 1972 um, really, really retains. a. Uh, the tide comes in, the tide goes out, but the beaches forever change. Yeah, and look, we should say on that is that this has also been a very good World Cup for CONCACAF. Uh, two teams, in, you know, sorry, one team in the quarterfinals from CONCACAF. You know, a, a really great representation in the last 16. Three teams from CONCACAF in the, in the last 16, Rog. And that will make the region with the which we're playing, it will just give it more value and it will make it more competitive. And a more competitive CONCACAF, a more competitive HEX, is going to be important for the development of U.S. soccer. We don't want an easy breeze through qualifying. We want that to we be... We want to be tested. Yeah, we want to be tested. Forged. Only 1,436 Forged. days, David. Yeah. No. Yes. Only yes. 1,436. 1,436 days Only. until the 2018 World Cup kicks oh, off. Oh, my word. Guzan, Yedlin, Gonzalez, Bezler, mm-hmm. Johnson, mm-hmm. maybe Cameron, Bradley, Mick, Zellalem. Julian Green, Aaron Johansson up top. Mark yep. our words, the US are going to win the 2018 World Cup. You heard it here first. Can I just say, Kyle Beckerman, amazing yep. human story at yep. his age too. Looking up at his picture right Turn now. up at the first World Cup, KB5, yep. and just everyone mocked him. Everyone derided him. Too slow, not good. He'll be found out. He wasn't found. He didn't play in the last game, sadly. Yep. I'd say regretably. Uh-huh. I but agree. I, I see that as a human story that fills me with wonder, David, about my yep. own professional career. Uh-huh. Um, bit last question for me, David. Uh-huh. Big one. Do I burn the lucky socks? <sighs> I think that what one does with one's questionably lucky socks is a question that only the owner-wearer of those socks can truly answer. Can I tell you something bizarre? I think, first of all, you've got to figure out, were they really lucky? Definitely. Okay, then don't burn them. I brought them with my wife in Siena, okay. one of my most favourite city, Estrici, yeah. uh, my most beautiful city in the world. Uh-huh. Only great things have occurred until this week. Uh-huh. But they do have a, the Brazilian laundry in the hotel. Uh-huh. They put a hole in them. Oh. And I when? Think just before the game. Oh. There's, a, there's a hole now in the bottom under the ball of my foot. Get your socks darned, Roger. Get your socks darned. There are people who will perform that service. It's all going to be good. Um, you want to talk about the quarterfinals, Rog? Oh, I'm quite, oh, I've got the thick word. in it. Here's the thing. Just before we Keep get to the quarterfinals, let's just say this. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea At Emily who's Egan better White than who. says, in this crazy illogical World Cup, as we approach the quarterfinal, perhaps the only thing we can say for sure is that Julio Cesar will be crying. Yeah. Because what we say during the Premier League season, what we are fond of saying is over the course of 38 games, 20 teams play all play each other home and away. By the end of the season, it will sort itself out and the best team will win it. Yeah. That's not true in a World Cup necessarily, Rog. Not in an individual World Cup. Nope, the games, best, team, best team might not win. Uh, in refereeing decisions, a single goal, a lucky strike, whatever, can make a difference. What one can say is over the course of many World Cups, the teams that have a culture that are able to go and deal with a 
seven game short tournament tend to emerge and certainly we have a number of those teams brazil germany netherlands costa rica i think you can say france too argentina five of those eight teams are teams with great pedigree in this tournament who've done it over the course of time obviously most of them aren't the same players they're definitely different players than 10 years ago 12 years ago um and then you've got some upstarts in there. Costa Rica, a team from CONCACAF, a team that if you'd said who are going to be the CONCACAF 4, team in the quarterfinals... to to win it ahead of the World Cup. You would not have thought of them. Belgium, a dark horse, a team that many people thought about. We saw how talented they are. We saw how talented individually. We also saw some of their flaws, some of their, uh, some of their issues. A team like Colombia, who I still maintain that even at this point of the tournament, we don't really know a lot about them. Um... And they have an emerging star player. And I'm still not sure we even know a huge amount about him yet. It is all to play for. I feel like any of these games could go any way. And I almost feel like a mug for trying to predict which them is, which without is what, cupcakes. Which is what we're going to do in the cupcake previews yeah, on a daily that, basis. But let's exactly. talk about them. I mean, Brazil, Colombia. Yeah. After the scare of the Chile game for Brazil when they scraped through on penalties... I mean, for me, it is. It's like the 1993 movie Fearless. Yeah. I mean, you, you have a near-death experience. Plane goes down. Does that make you feel immortal, or, or does it make you th- does it make you fold? Does it make you wilt? Are they done? Did that beat them? Are they over? And they just will be emotionally drained, or do you come out of it and say, guys, if we got through that, we can get through anything. Let's do this. Oh God, that's a good question. I think that the issue is they're definitely psychologically damaged. Just the number of tears. They've brought in a psychologist uh, in to go and talk to the players. The players so much pressure. The players they love so talking to a psych. They love talking to I understand to a that. There's so much pressure on these guys. But it wasn't... I think the biggest thing for me with Brazil is... And this is the shock. There was obviously a huge amount of relief when they ended up winning that game. But when you talk to Brazilians about the performance, they're in the same disbelief that we're in that we were watching David Luiz just hoof balls upfield yep. to Hulk, Fred, and Joe. Joe. We have never Joe. seen Brazil play football Can like this. I just say, we go for a morning walk every morning yeah. down Copacabana, our uh-huh. morning constitutional, yeah. and we look on the beach, and even early in the morning, there's thousands of Brazilians playing sort of beach football, like or, volleyball. Or, or soccer or, volleyball with yeah. the high net, and they pop the ball off their off their nipple yeah, they, they, have this, they slap they have this it way with their chest popping it with their, boom, their shoulder they back healing all over they the can, place they, they can they can flick it off their shoulder Hip. they can shake it off there are a thousand people within an acre of Copacabana who seem more talented to me than Joe yeah. it's almost like they're taking the piss that they feel yeah. Joe we're so good that we'll play Joe. Joe Fred is so embarrassed he wears a false disguised moustache but the problem for them is he's not creating any space for Neymar behind him Mm-hmm. So much pressure on Neymar, who's become the only one who makes a difference. I told you it's like going to watch Hugh Jackman on Broadway. It's just like him and 12, 10 other people you don't really care about. And you've got this physical side from Brazil plus Neymar. I've loved his quotes this week. They asked him how much pressure. He says, pressure exists for every player. But I find it so funny. Um, I've been dreaming about uh, this since I saw Ronaldo with a funny haircut lift the trophy in 2002. <laughs> He's like, why can't I just enjoy playing football? He said, I feel like I'm back home playing a kickabout with my mates. That's what he said. It's an amazing state of mind. 
that he is in. I worry if he's injured or, God forbid, he doesn't have a good game. What happens to Brazil? Colombia have their own emotional kind of high point right now. Wednesday marked the 20th anniversary of the slaying of their captain, Andres Escobar, uh, who scored the own goal against I'm the US. I'm still haunted and was... by it. 1994, I was in the stadium that day, Rog, and I was right opposite him, about three rows back, on the same side of the field that he was when that ball went in. And looking at his face after conceding that own goal, it still haunts me to this day. It's going to be so emotional. So watch the two Escobars in his memory. His family will be there. They've all flown in. And we'd heard there'd be a 22 who could just absolutely dazzle in yellow at this World Cup. What we didn't know was that he'd be James Rodriguez. Himmy. Himmy to his friends, right, David? Himmy. Yeah. I mean, his team are surging in confidence in great contrast to Brazil. Yeah. 11 goals will do that. It's going to be a physical game. Colombia will not back down. They saw The Colombians thought Chile backed down. They will not back down. We've just predicted this one on our cupcake preview. And I think, yeah, we disagree. I think Colombia are going to do this. Yeah. They're going to do it for Gabriela Garcia. Marquez. I feel like Brazil are going to do it. But I think a lot of players have got to step up. I think Oscar is doing what we saw a lot at Chelsea this season. He opened the World Cup very, very well. And he's gradually his performances have gone downhill since then. Um I just feel with Col- that Brazil is a step up in quality from anybody that Colombia. They are surging. Their confidence is really high. But they're going to be way better than a Suarez, Sean, um, Uruguay. They're going to be better than any of the teams who Colombia faced in Group C. Um, and I think sometimes it happens when you play against better. You suddenly have a little less time on the ball. You have a little less time thought process. When you give the ball away, it's a little bit more dangerous. And I think there are those little actions all over the field that just get multiplied. And I just sort of feel that Brazil are going to bounce back and they're going to do it against Colombia. But I do think it's going to be extremely close. Also, France-Germany will be extremely close. Yeah. There's some, there's some previous. There's some previous here, Rod. Previous. There's some previous. There's some previous. Yeah. The twelve twenty three battle of the holy order. Oh, that's one of the ones I was. Still, I think about. when they take the field, they'll be thinking about that. Yeah. A lot of the lot of combat. I was looking back at every battle between France and Germany. Yeah. A lot of the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. I've been immersing myself in. Uh huh. If you read those Asterix books. Yeah. There's a lot of Asterix books which are to do with the uh, Asterix of Gaul. Yeah. Uh, which are about what it's going to be like with the Saxons. I mean, we're going to be a little bit like John Cleese in Faulty Towers. Yeah. We don't talk about the war. We don't talk no. about the war. But what we do talk about is 1982. Le Petit France. When this tiny French team, back then, France was not a power. Not at they all. Didn't, didn't, now they call France France qui gagne. Yeah. France who wins. Back then, they were Petit France. Yeah, Le de France. And Batistom. Yeah. Breaking through in the semi final. 1 yeah. 1, 60th Small. minute. Schumacher, this permed goalkeeper from Germany ran out so of his box and instead of trying to save the ball just t- what did he do David Kung Fu fighting I know it just took him out I mean leveled him with his feet just dived into him smashed him Michel Platini said after the game I thought he was dead he had no pulse and he yet what happened ended up with spinal cord injuries the referee once he'd been taken off didn't even give a foul yeah while this poor guy was knocked out on the field Schumacher stood over him Looking at him like, get this guy off the field. He's disgusting. Uh, France went 3-1 up in extra time. Yeah. Ended up wilting. And Germany went through 5-4 on penalties. Ugh. I drove through France that summer through uh-huh. beautiful holiday. One of my uh-huh. favourite of my youth. We went through Brittany and Normandy, David. Uh-huh. I love Brittany and Love Normandy. to go there with you. The battlefield. Uh, so close to England. And every single little town we drove through yeah. had 
a tiny television in the centre of the town in the sports store playing uh-huh. the penalties over and over again. They loved it in France. They lo- and I realised French people, <laughs> they love nothing better then as Petit France, the noble yep. loss. They don't like to win they, in those days. They do now, but they like. There's a, there's a battle, the Battle of Cameron in 1863. Yep. Oh, another big one. French Legion. Mm-hmm. Surrounded by 2,000 Mexicans. Yes. 62 legionnaires kept them at bay. Yeah. Till they ran out of ammunition. Yeah. What do you think they did then? Don't know. Fixed bayonets. Yeah, of course they did. And they ran out to die. Yep. Captain Jean Giroux's wooden hand was recovered afterwards uh-huh. and is now like a national sacrament. Oh. That was what France was then, to lose nobly. They loved it. Now they expect to win, Davo. Will they win? Well... Yeah, there's a lot, few unknowns in this game, Rog. Germany seems to be a flu virus or some form of virus that has swept through that German camp. We take absolutely no pleasure, no pleasure whatsoever in that. And um, we're not quite sure how severe that's going to be at time of podding. Other issues going on with Germany, you know, back home, their media are thrashing them for uh, this perceived lack of killer instinct against Afghanistan and against the United States in that final uh, group game. Um, their uh, inability to play free-flowing football against teams who the German media certainly regard as being lesser than them. You know, as a great Mertesacker threw a real wobbler in his post-match conference when it was suggested to him, why do you think you didn't do better against Afghanistan? And uh, Algeria. He, he got Algeria. He got Afghanistan. He got very, very upset about that, Rog. Um, so there's some tension around this camp. Lahm playing in central midfield. Yogi Love says he's going to continue to do that, not playing uh, him at fullback. His battle with uh, Pogba, La uh-huh. Pioche, the pickaxe. Oh, La Pioche. I love watching Pogba. For me, yeah. he's been one of the top four players of this tournament. Yeah. A France decision-making. When we went and saw France, you actually woke up for a bit to watch Pogba. Yeah, I was asleep for a good 25. Most refreshing sleep I've had, actually. Yeah. Other World Cup. We've got, uh, I mean, Griezmann, do you play him or do you play the dashing but rather crap at football, Olivier Giroud? Uh-huh. I, we've just done the cupcake preview for that, yeah. so we can tell you. I, I, have a, I have France winning this game 1-0, mostly because of the small and the tall harmony, Valbois yeah. and La Pioche, Pogba, David. I have Germany losing on penalties, but I don't know if that was uh, the cupcake or just wishful thinking on my part. <laughs> I am going to. It's going to be remarkable. I went to the France game against Ecuador believing that I was going to be cheering for France, and when it came down to I couldn't do it. This, without any doubt, will be the first time in my uh, life that I will be um, cheering for the country of my uh, forefathers long ago. Um, and I'm going to be cheering full-throatedly for France. By the way, one guy I admire against my own will is Man- uh, Neuer. It's been a World Cup of the goalkeeper, Tim Howard, uh, Ochoa, and Yema. Yeah. God, he's good. Yeah. Neuer is good. He's like having an extra half man on the field. It's like Joe Hart, but bloody good. <laughs> it's like he's like the complete opposite of Joe Hart. Um, he is uh, he's a superb goalkeeper. Just he's like having an extra defender, the sweeper keeper. When we cast our amateur dramatic World Cup uh, cast for uh, Sound of Music, yeah, he might be Rolf. Yeah, he'd be a very believable. Rolf, without a doubt. And then we just must mention before we go, obviously the player we just love. We love the talls and smalls. We love little Valbuena. Petit little, Velo. And uh, so much fun. He would be a brilliant Premier League player. It's not a the really size of the Velo. It's the He'd be motion. Uh, Netherlands versus Costa Rica. This game coming up on Saturday. Uh, Rog, 
you know, I think everybody has Holland as the presumptive favourites, but they've got some issues too. Van Persie seems to be carrying a bit of an injury, a little bit of a, you know, wrapping on his thigh. Um, Robin sat out a substantial part of training the other day. Um, you know, could there be some karma back for Robin after the perceived multiple diving incidents in that game the winning of penalties the the amazing thing for me about Holland is that they're doing all of this without their best midfielder Roma's Kevin Strootman who's out for the whole World Cup their results driven counter-attacking fury seems like you'd have to give them the edge but we should credit yeah CONCACAF Thunder, what Jorge Luis Pinto has done with yeah. uh, this Costa Rican team. Pitbull meets Andrea Gassi. Junia Diaz, Brian Ruiz, Joel Campbell, Kaylor Navas. I mean, no one picked them. No one. Um, I mean, the, the story we like was the Lotto Sport Italia who manufacture their jersey just being caught flat-footed by the huge surging demand for Costa Rican jerseys. They can't print enough jerseys. They can't buy enough sweatshops in wherever one buys one. Five million people live in Costa Rica. Yeah. 4,000 to one before the World Cup. And this is interesting to me because this has been, as you keep saying, the World Cup of star players carrying their teams. Neymar carrying Brazil. Messi carrying um, uh, Argentina. uh, Jimmy Rodriguez carrying um, Colombia. There's another way to glory be a this team. World Cup. Be so a team. all these teams are all-star teams, and they just have not trained together. There's talent, there's egos, they don't gel. Germany have not gelled. Um, um, the, the, the Brazilian team have not gelled. Belgium have not really gelled oh, yet. Exactly. This is a team. Argentina and the US were the same. Team preparation, team organisation, with no names, can get you bloody far mm-hmm. in a modern World Cup. Mm-hmm. And I, I adore that, Dave. I cannot wait for this game. And we are all... Davo, we are all Costa Ricans now. Yeah, I got Costa Rica's coach muddled up with Chile's coach. He's not the one that looks like Pitbull meets Andre Agassi. Um, he's the one with the Concacuffs. Yeah, he's the Concacuffs. He's got cuffs he's and his like mate. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, Argentina versus Belgium. You know, I'm looking forward, now that we've got over our thorough distaste for all things Belgian, Rog, I'm looking forward to seeing Belgium play against Argentina. And I do think, we haven't had our cupcake previews for this yet, but I think that Belgium could take Argentina. I think they've got enough talent. I think they've found a little secret here of, of how to use Origi to soften up the defence to go and bring on Romelu Lukaku to go and bully them at the end of the game. Uh, I think they have phenomenal wit. I think they're going to cause that Argentinian defence all sorts of problems. Argentina can't just sit back. They're going to have to attack. Belgium just have to handle Messi. Now, that is not as easy. That's much easier said than done. Um, and Angel de Maria, of course, a fantastic player. Medigliani, better for Real Madrid than he has been thus far, goal, barring that last goal. I mean, he's yeah. really impotent, exhausted. I mean, this is fascinating, David. It's been a World Cup in which every team has an obvious flaw. Yeah the big teams and the thing that shocks me is tactically none have been able to mask their floor and yeah. Argentina and Brazil are the two teams that have done it worst yeah they, Argentina looks so vulnerable at the back David yeah if you're Warpig if you're Wilmots the Brazilian yeah. coach get me my Warpig yeah you will be salivating at this game. Maradona stepped up. He said he lashed out at Argentina. They've not started yet. They have no rhythm, no movement. The kid, he calls Messi. The kid. I love that, David. Uh-huh. Of course, stop calling me the kid. <laughs> Tell me that. You are much younger than the me. The kid. The kid's very alone. Uh, he, he said, I have something very strong inside. A bitter taste. Anger. Fight. I love that. I wonder yeah. if... Um, 
I wonder if in like 20, 30 years' time, Carl Beckerman will be asked for it. I have something about the U.S. team. A bitter taste. Anger. Fight. Mm-hmm. Um, they are playing at 40% of their potential. We will see, Dave. I also, I also feel an upset. Well, good. Looking forward to it. Okay, we'll go to the uh, Ravens. Rog, yeah. from Mark Hulsman, how many World Cup squads as presently constituted would win the Barclays Premier League? We get this question a lot. Great Assume question. that, for example, Eden Hazard is clonable and plays for both Chelsea and Belgium. Oh, clonability, I like this. Both Chelsea and Belgium in their twice-annual matchup. One assumes that teams like Brazil and Germany would win the league by a comfortable 15 points. But what about France or Uruguay or England? Moreover, how enjoyable would it be to watch Everton beat Switzerland 2-1 to to snatch the final Europa League spot on final weekend? Tiny Bananas, Mark Olsman, Washington, D.C. Fascinating. I mean, the honest truth is these international teams are all all-star teams. The, champion, the Premier League teams get to practice day in, day out together, just become far more cohesive. And they can buy players to mask any weaknesses tactically they have. I mean, Chelsea, if they have a weakness in the team... They buy someone. Well, they should do. They didn't last season, but they they normally do. Uh So we believe the best football in the world is played in the... Premier League. And the Champions League. And the Champions League. Well, no, sorry. I think the best quality of football, Premier League, best top to bottom. Yeah. I think in the uh, in terms of world football, the best football you will ever see is played in the Champions League all by of, those teams. All of the teams who make the elimination round would whack, uh, I would bet, almost all of the international teams. It was a, in the days of the NASL, Devo, they had the yeah. bright idea of getting all the US players who were the US team and to make one team of them in NASL towards the end. Yeah. called Team America, they yeah. called it. They couldn't quite get all their best players, yeah. but they got many of the squad players and they, they got whacked on yeah. regular occasions. And by the way, it's not just that these players aren't together a lot to go and play with each other. Similarly, they're very hard to scout. So it's very difficult when you're preparing to play an opponent to know exactly what they're going to do because they're not fielding the same teams, not fielding the same players. They're playing in such different conditions. And uh, just the scouting is weaker. Over the course of a 38-game season, a lot of these teams would probably be found out by some of the best teams in the world. Um, Okay, Rog. Important question for a pod debate outside of CONCACAF Thunder. Where does our nation turn its lonely eyes over the next week? Oh, what a question. Who asked that? Uh, that was from uh, Boyne, Spain. Bowen, Spain, I at, believe. At Boyne, Spain. Yeah. Oh, what a question, David. What a question. I think all of these games are amazing. You're going to enjoy every single one. Of and these, I've got to tell you, I've games. never felt like this before, because normally I do warm to a team that's yeah. still left in it, like the Italians. Um, but I'm so invested in the United States at this point, David. Yeah. I believe in total love yeah. now. And... Uh, for me, the American Outlaws have already won this World Cup. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, well, that's it from us. Uh, we'll do another pod next week, Rod, when we yep. get through the, the semi-final stage. Um, Thanks for all of your emails, yep. which we love, your yep. tweets, your responses to the, Davo's Instagramming. The content you've been sending us. We love each and every second. We miss Grantland. We'd yeah, like we to do. thank Jacoby and his yeah, whole team over there who have yep. been unbelievable to work with. Agreed. And I just say... After this round of 16 loss, there's only yeah. been four round of 16 games played by the U.S. team. I just pray that each and every one of you made memories of them. I mean, I know my kids are at home in their U.S. jerseys. Yeah. And they now no longer want to take to their U.S. Jersey. jerseys Hard off. to wear that jersey, it, Roger. It's true. I mean, it's just delicious joy, emotion and memory that this game can bring, Dave, that we share together. Yeah. And I just hope that all of you listening at home, 
kind of bank those memories from that game and the whole campaign and, and really treasure them. Yeah, totally. Okay, Rod, so uh, Cupcake previews are going to be up there for all of the quarterfinals and for every game as boot we go rooming forward. Boot-rooming every, every night. Be with us, yeah, email us, tweet us, mock us, deride us, cuddle us. Yeah, after one of the games, and we'll be on World Cup tonight, every night after the football. Until we get back to the USA, to, to soccer-loving... Going to kiss the tarmac when I land. Soccer-loving USA. Happy the July 4th to everybody. Congratulations on your independence. Uh, and Warpig Kung Fu Fight in America Love Love you you. Rog Love you David Thank you for listening to Grantland To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes or go to grantland.com and click on Podcast